I believe that God is up to something. And we are part of the people that God is interested in touching that we may touch the world out there. Hallelujah. I want to welcome all of us to church tonight. It's another wonderful night. And um, we give glory and praise to his name who has made it possible for us to be here. I want to welcome my sister. The Lord bless you. Hallelujah. And the children, the Lord bless you. Amen. Let's bow down our heads to pray. Father, we thank you tonight. We are the people that you have called, set aside, separated unto good works. And Lord, we are not shying away from the responsibility that you have left for us. We want to thank you for your eternal plan revealed in the written word. Thank you for your love for this word. Thank you for your desire to bring all men to yourself. The Bible says no one that comes to you, you will in no wise cast away. The Bible says as you lifted, you will draw men to yourself. Tonight, we believe that you are empowering your people. You are energizing the church that we may continue with what you began. Tonight, open our eyes of understanding. Impact our lives so definitely that from tonight we will leave this place changed, challenged, and empowered. Let the cause of the kingdom become the burden that we bear. Let the glory of heaven become a driving force daily in all our affairs. We thank you. We all glorify you and we honor your name. Lord, I ask that your word will come accurately tonight. Let it come with grace, with power, with accuracy and with the ability to accomplish. Thank you. We give you praise. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I was reading a story, very fascinating story. How true, I don't know, but it was a story of one of the times Pope was invited to speak at the United Nations. He was invited to address the United Nations, basically on the spiritual stand of the United Nations. We understand why. Now, generally, he was given a particular time to address the United Nations, so he was to fly down and was to land in New York. And it was said that Lina Mosin had been arranged to bring him straight to the United Nations meeting to address the United Nations. But somehow, while he was coming, the weather was bad. And instead of landing at uh, JFK, um, they had to redirect the flight for him to land at New York Airport. He landed at the airport, and the limousine had been informed to go to New York to bring in the Pope for the United Nations meeting. While the limousine got there, of course, 
they were running out of time and Pope got in behind the limousine and said, they should go. And the man was driving very slowly and very meticulously. And the time was running out and according to the story, Pope said, please can you move a little bit faster? Why can't you drive a little faster? The driver replied and said, I can't because I already got a ticket and um, if I drive faster than this and I'm caught, they're likely to revoke my license and that means uh, I lose my job. And according to the story, Pope thought about it a little while and said, okay, there is something we can do. You know what you're going to do? You're going to park the car and you're going to get behind the car and I'm going to do the driving. <laughs> and he drove. But according to the story, he drove so fast and quickly you know, with a twist and turn within New York and as they were drawing close to the United Nations building, there was uh, this police spiral light that uh, showed up behind the car and they were pulled over. And one of the policemen, there were two of them in the car, came out of the car, went straight and told, roll down your glass and let me have your license. When he rolled and he noticed who was in, the, in front of the car, and he looked at him and said, you can roll back. And went back to his own car and sat down together with the other police. And the other police said, why? Uh, did you give him a ticket? He said, no. But why? He said, I can't give him a ticket. He said, but why can't you give him a ticket? Is he more than a male? Uh, the, the man replied and said, yes, he can be more than the male. Can it be more than important than um, the governor? He said, yes, he can. The man went further. Can it be more important than the president of the United States? He said, yes, he can. The man became paused. Who else can be more important than the president of the United States? And according to the story, the man said, I don't know who is behind the car. But the man is being driven by the Pope. <laughs> so I don't know who that person is that will be driven by the Pope. And the man said, if that man is that important, then I can give him a ticket. Now, this is the story. This is the import of the story. How many of us know that there is somebody driving the car of your life if you're a believer? His name is called Jesus. Amen. More important than the Pope. More important than any living being today. But the Bible says in the book of Acts of the Apostle, in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. We are hid with Christ in God. So Jesus is the driver of your life. If he is, then you are not just a nobody. You are somebody of value and of importance. And many believers relate to life as if they are not important. But God wants us to know how valuable we are. So tonight, we're going to be sharing from, you know, one of the values that Jesus placed on many of us and all of us as believers, as his people. I want us to turn our Bibles together tonight to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. This was first, this was Jesus' first address to his disciple after he has appointed them to be disciples. Jesus 
was speaking to his disciples because in chapter 5, the very first few verses, I think about 10 verses, 12 verses of chapter 5 of the book of Matthew, Jesus began to speak to his disciples the qualities, certain characteristics of kingdom people. But in verse 13, Jesus became very definite. In the first 12 verses of the book of Matthew chapter 5, Jesus gave a general characteristics of a kingdom man. Jesus is blessed in verse 3 at the point spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn. Verse 5, blessed are the meek. Verse 6, blessed are those who hunger. Verse 7, blessed are the merciful. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers. Verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Verse 12, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you. Verse 10, rejoice and be glad exceedingly, for great is your reward in heaven. Verse 13, Jesus became specific. What is it that, why was Jesus this specific? We're going to examine that tonight. I have only four verses of this scripture to read. Verse 13. The Bible says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing, but to be thrown out and trampled on the foot. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. 15, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I'm going to share with us tonight on what I call making an impact that cannot be erased. Making an impact that cannot be erased. Jesus looked at his disciples and said, you are the salt of the earth. Why did Jesus say this? He went further. You are the light of the world. Now it's important for us to understand the background that this Jesus was God incarnate. Is that true? That this Jesus, according to the book of John chapter 1, the Bible says, all things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. The scripture says, in him was life, and the life was the light of man. The scripture tells us that by him the world was made. Everything in existence was made by him. 
I also believe that Jesus knew the sweetness of the earth has been turned sour. Hallelujah. Jesus couldn't have spoken this way if nothing was wrong with the word, with the earth. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. Many, this earth has lost its savor, has lost its sweetness. And you are called to be the sweetening to this earth. We're going to look at the qualities of what Jesus said. But it also appears to be Jesus was saying to his disciples, without you, the earth is sitting upon the keg of gunpowder. It's a destruction waiting to happen without you. Jesus went further and said, you are the light of the world. It occurred to me that he knew that the light that was in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1 verse 3, probably, which we knew, that light in Genesis chapter 1 ended the chaos, the gloom, the formlessness that was in the book of Genesis chapter 1. The Bible says, God created heaven and earth. And the earth was without form. And void. And the void and, and, and the spirit of the Lord over, over the darkness. The Lord said, Let there be light. And there was light. It occurred to me that most similarly, Jesus knew that the light that was infused upon this word had gone out. And he's saying to his disciples. Chaos, gloom, fear, disappointment, despondency has returned to this world. Now I'm sending you to despair darkness that the light of God may shine again. And that brings an awesome responsibility on the disciples. That the disciples were not just Population added to the chariots of the world's population. No. Jesus was implying that I am sending you forth to effect a change, to impact the world, to create a new world by your presence. This environment is polluted. This environment has lost its sweetness. This environment has become darkened. But I'm sending you forth that you may return the sweetness back. That you may return the light back. That you may get rid of the sour taste of this environment. Little wonder that our world is in pain today. Little wonder that there is so much sorrow. Little wonder that there is so much unfulfillment. I have observed that even what men count to be so important do not satisfy, including money. Positions do not satisfy. Jesus said, I am sending you forth to be the salt and the light of the world. I'm going to go back to this same scripture and I'm going to begin from the very beginning. Jesus said, you are the salt. 
Now, Jesus, there are so many descriptions that were used in the scriptures. There are so many allegories, metaphors that were used in the scriptures to describe us as believers. Many times believers are called the trees. Isaiah 61, the Bible says, you will be the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Many times believers are called sheep. Psalm 23 verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in a path of righteousness. For his name's sake. Yet though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. For the Lord and the staff, they comfort me. Thou prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. But you have anointed my head with horror. My cup runs over. Sheeps. Jesus said in John, in the book of John, chapter 8, I am the shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And it means we are the sheep. Bible also calls us the apple of God's eyes. So there are many symbolism and metaphors used in the scripture to describe believers. But in this place, the very first message of Jesus to his disciples, he says, you are the sort. And that brings something to my mind about identity. Ever say identity? Identity is very critical in life. Identity, as it were, is, an, is a foundation on which productivity and fruitfulness is based. Nobody today, as we see it, wants to come under the knife of a man, of a self-proclaimed untrained surgeon however secure. Because he claims to be what he is not. So, nobody wants to come under the knife of such a surgeon. He's self-proclaimed, but he's not trained. Now, Jesus is saying, I'm giving you an understanding of who you are. You are the sort. This is your identity. This is who you are. Don't allow any other distraction. This is who you are. And I notice that identity... It's a symbol of uniqueness. Jesus is saying, listen, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Outside of you, there is no light. There is no salt. That's identity. Identity is an outworking of a design. And I love Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. It says, we are the workmanship of God. Created in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. We are the workmanship of God. God has made us to be something unique. We're the workmanship of God. Created in Christ Jesus. That is a making. That is a working of the grace of God in the lives of his people for something definite, for something unique. And then Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. Let me quickly examine this word salt. Before Jesus says so, he says, you have the, you have the salt. So we saw there a language of notability. Jesus is saying, whatever is good to bring sweetness and light cannot be without you. There's a notability. The world is going to miss light. The world is not going to experience salt. They're not going to experience sweetness without you. No one else will be able to perform your function without you. And that tells me tonight that you have a great place in God. We have the sort 
of the earth. Let's take and listen to this. I believe when Jesus said the word salt, he provided the greatest compliment that can ever be paid to man. It shows us the solid worth and our usefulness. Why did I say that? In the ancient world, salt was highly valued. In fact, the Greeks used to call salt divine. The Romans used to say there is nothing like the sun and the salt. Why? Because among the Romans, most of the people that were working in those days were paid with what they call salarium, which is salt in its content. Salarium, that's where the word salary came today, the wages that we received. That tells us about the value that accompanies us as believers. Now, I remember the story of Constantine. We all remember that in church history, one of the men that actually adopted Christianity as a state religion was Constantine. Now, Constantine, this was where there was syncretism because now even those who had other gods they were worshipping before now began to look at Christianity as a state religion. Meanwhile, Christianity is now a religion. Now, a man came to the throne after Constantine. His name was Emperor Julian. Now, when Emperor Julian came, he looked at the Christians with the character and the nature that they have. This is what he said about them. He said, these people, have you looked at these Christians closely? He said, look, they have hollowed eyes. They have pale cheeked, cheeks. They are, they are flat-breasted people. They brew their lives away, unspoiled by ambition. The sun shines for them, but they do not see. The heart offers them its fullness, but they desire it not. All their desire is to renounce and to suffer that they may come to die. Because at this time, everybody was bringing their gods back. And Julian said, I look at these Christians because they did not accept the religion of the state. And he looked at them as morose and the dregs and the scum of the society. Why did he say this? Because he did not understand what the Christians were meant to be. The Bible says we are the salt of the earth. What do we mean by this? What is the meaning of the word salt? I want us to listen to this same scripture from the Living Bible paraphrase. This is what it says in Matthew chapter 5. And I want us to pay attention to this. Matthew chapter 5. I'm reading verse 13. It says, You are the word seasoning to make it tolerable. You are the word? Word seasoning to make it tolerable. It says, if you lose your flavor, what will happen to the word? This is what I see, that actually, salt is not just salt because it is white. Salt is salt because of its capacity to influence and to bring a change. Now, that leads me to the fact that we need to now look at the qualities of salt. What does salt mean? What does salt do? What effect will, it, will salt bring to any material? 
This is, these are the things that I came down with. Number one, salt is connected to purity. Now the glistening whiteness made the connection easy for us. One of the characteristics of this word is lowering standard, standard of honesty, diligence at work, integrity. That's one of the qualities of this word. There is no consistency, there is no honesty. But the Bible says here that we are the salt. In other words, we are supposed to prove to the world the integrity of God. So there is a characteristic of purity that's associated with salt. Number two. Salt, we all know, is a preservative. And I can see that Jesus is saying, what is preserving the earth until now are all of you who have received the gift of righteousness and of grace of God because, because of you, the word is still seen the reflection of the true God. You are preserving something. There are many who are confused about what is normal. But when they see a believer, it's obvious to them what is normal. Number three. Salt had flavors. Salt is a seasoning. How many of us would like to eat food, if not that for any condition, medical condition, would like to eat food without salt? It's tasteless. It has nothing attractive in it. Because it is tasteless. Now Jesus is saying that I want you to understand that I'm sending you as a people and into this world you are the salt of this earth. You are to bring a change to this world. And let me make a very categorical statement. What, what savor is to the salt is what Christians had to the world. Hallelujah. What savor is to the what? To the salt is what Christians have to the word. Because Jesus said, if you lose your savor, in other words, salt itself is like any other sand. That's what he's saying. Because you can trample on it. It's like any other thing you trample on on your way to work, on your way, to home, on your way home. It's as good as any sound, but for the savor both for its ability, both for its characteristics, both for its impact. It's the same thing like having, many of us have been to the seashore before. As a matter of fact, I just know a few weeks ago. You know, salt could have been like that. But Jesus said, uh -uh. there's a savor in you. Now, this brings me to what Paul the Apostle wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I want us to examine that scripture together. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Can we turn to it? 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 to 17. Paul, in this 2 Corinthians chapter 6, in verse 14, this is what he says. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, I'm sorry, verse 16, 14 to 16. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance. Another verse says the aroma of his knowledge in every place. Paul is saying, look, 
through us, there is an aroma, there is a fragrance, there is a perfume that goes around because of the aroma of God's knowledge that goes around into every environment. The Bible said it causes us to triumph in Christ by the aroma that God has given to us. And you know what tonight? I'm happy to declare to you believers and saints, you've got an aroma. I don't care what kind of cologne you wear or you walk to this place tonight. There is a cologne that the highest cannot see. There is a perfume that the world is waiting for. That's what touches the hearts of men. However good a cologne is, when the character of a man does not reflect that cologne, it's useless. Remember when we were growing up, one of the things they used to say in our ears is that before you get married, don't look at the face, look at the character. And today the world is not waiting for another set of group of people who are just shouting. They're waiting for people with good character. They're not character imbibed, not just being good, being good natured. I'm talking about the character of the Holy Ghost. The character of God. The behavior of the Spirit. What is your savor? That's the question tonight. And Paul says here, I'm going to finish that scripture. It says in verse 14, 15, For we are to guard the fragrance of Christ. We are to who? To God. Even to God, we are an aroma. How many of us want God to be pleased with our lives? It says we are an aroma to God. To those who are being saved. And among those who are perishing. I love this. It says to those who have been saved. And also among those who are perishing. In other words. We are a two-edged sword. As much as our lives has become a blessing. To those who are saved. He is also saying our life has become a challenge. To those who are not saved. Many of us that are seated tonight. Will have understood that God. At many times and in certain occasions. Had triggered a positive righteous influence in many of the places where we have been because of our character and nature. The world invites us to do what they want to do, the pollution and the perversion, but we stand for the righteousness of Christ, we stand for the purity of God, and the world is wondering, what's wrong with them? But you're a young lady. Why don't you do like other people would do? Now, now, Christ in me is the hope of glory. Christ to me is the expectancy of glory. I cannot behave like others. I have a savor of Christ to me. What we're reading in this Matthew says, not different from the savor that is in Christ. Now, Jesus was saying, look, there's an aroma that flows from your life, but this aroma is the nature of heaven. This aroma is what we call Christ-likeness. This aroma is what is in heaven that is being brought to earth by those who believe in me. The world has not seen heaven before. The world cannot see heaven. But the world is waiting for those who have received the sanctity of heaven. Who have received the life of heaven even though they still live in the flesh. And they want to see the character of God in us. And I said, people must smell what heaven is when they meet with us. Hallelujah. People must what? Smell what heaven is when they meet with us. Because people say there's no heaven. Because they haven't seen it. 
But when they smell you, they must smell heaven. The scripture says by their fruits, not by their confession, you will know them. What are the characteristics and the, and the traits of heaven? One of the major traits we saw is that God is a God of love. How many of us knows that love has no color? Hallelujah. Wherever you go, everyone responds to love. Everyone responds to the character of God. I'm not talking about self-made self -made love. I'm talking about the divine love of God. People respond to love. There is no one that is in situation, they ask for help. When anybody sees help, they, they take it, they embrace it. The true love of God. Jesus said, new commandment do I not give to you. It's the same commandment that I've given you to you before. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Love. Divine love of God. I watched the life of Jesus. And one of the things that made Jesus to be outstanding was his compassion. The Bible says he looked at the multitude and he had compassion on them. Church, Jesus did not have self-pity party. It wasn't a self-pity. It was compassion. And compassion came out of the bowel of mercy. Because of the mercy that Jesus had on the multitude, the Bible says he had compassion on them. And as a result of the compassion, he infused that multitude with the life of God. And it was not only spiritual food, also physical food. When they were together with Jesus, after a while, they were hungry. And Jesus said, let's feed them. We fed them with the spiritual food. Let's feed them physically. Let's have compassion on them. And let me be honest with you. Many of us that are working in offices, we know that without compassion, it is very difficult for people to gravitate towards you. If we are brash and harsh and difficult, nobody will gravitate towards us. But that does not mean we are compromising our stand. We are only reflecting the nature of God in being compassionate with people. When you are compassionate with people, you will pray for them. When you're compassionate with people, you will tolerate certain degrees of their excesses and idiosyncrasies. You will tolerate that. But that does not mean that you're going to compromise your own standing in God. Because actually, if you lift your standard high, people will respect you. Compassion. The world has lost compassion. Many who are in the political arena today are there for selfish reasons. Those that are the corridors of power are doing it for their own gain, not for the gain of the entire nation. Or people. And it's everywhere. That is why there is no trust in polity. The only place where there is true compassion is in Christ. And God wants us to reflect the compassion of Jesus. That's how to be sought. And I also believe that Jesus, one of the ways by which he reflected being sought to the world was the fact that Jesus hated evil and loved righteousness. Hallelujah. He loved what? Righteousness. He never compromised. I remember this experience. Many of us know this situation. A woman was caught in adultery. And they brought the woman to Jesus. And they said, look, this man was caught in adultery in the very act. We caught her. And we're about to stone her to death. What do we do? Jesus did not utter a single statement. In fact, one of the things I'm praying for is that the Lord will empower each of us with the wisdom of God that in every situation, we just don't respond to what people say we respond by the wisdom of God. Jesus never answered people according to their questions. He answered according to the needed situation. 
He stooped down and he began to write on the ground. What he wrote, we don't know. But the Bible makes us to see that as he began to write, everyone holding stone, either pebbles or small or great stone in their hand, every one of them began to take a reverse, little by little, excusing each other and saying, well, I got to go to the bathroom. Give me a minute. I'm coming back to stone after that. Everybody left. They all left. And Jesus looked up to the woman and said, where are your accusers? And he said something very great. Neither do I condemn you. But what did he say there? I did, not, I, I did not condemn you, but go and sin no more. He hated evil. He did not compromise the truth. He knew what the woman did was wrong and said, go and sin no more. That's how to be the salt of the earth. One of the ways to be the salt of the earth is to reflect the forgiveness of God to the world. Jesus was teaching his disciples in Luke chapter 11 about the prayers, about the Lord's prayers. We all remember Jesus, you know, what he was teaching is for, for, forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. Now, there are, there are many believers who are caught in the web of unforgiveness. Now, we're going to get to that some other time, but I want us to understand that the world understands that when they are forgiven, it must be the nature of God. There are many wounded people who are going around beaten and bowed by unforgiveness from men. So tonight, Jesus is saying, you are the salt of the earth. This is how to reflect the glory of God. This is how to be the true salt of the earth. And he says, you are the light of the world. Let me quickly come to the light. I believe that Jesus said, you are the light. Everywhere you go, there has to be a beacon from heaven. There has to be an illumination. Whatever has been dark as a result of your presence, there must be clarity, there must be honesty, there must be plainness, there must be thoroughness as a result of your, of your presence. Light. Bring light to people's lives. Bring lives to families. Bring light to communities. Bring light to people's lives. Bring light to your office. We need to reflect the light of God. Now, where I'm going tonight, I want us to pay attention to this, and then I'm going to close on one side. I want us to look at what Jesus said again, Matthew chapter 5, because that's the real big issue tonight. Jesus cautioned in two places. There were two cautions that Jesus mentioned. And you know why he said that? These are the potential issues for believers. These are the actual issues. These are the possible trips, obstacles that could hinder believers from entering into the true light of God. What did Jesus say? In verse 13, Jesus said, but if the salt loses its flavor, terrific phrase, if the salt does what? Loses its flavor. What does it mean? It means it's possible that you are a salt, but you are not revealing and reflecting the character of his son. What does that mean? It means, is there an hindrance in your functionality? Is there something wrong with your functionality? Is there something wrong with your functionality? Is there something wrong with your aroma? Uh, I remember this small story a woman was met by a man she had roses in her hands 
Normally, you know what roses means to ladies. She had roses in her hands, and the roses were dead. And the man was puzzled. Why are you carrying around dead roses, you know? And the woman was crushing the roses in her hand and, and grabbing it in her hand and was crushing it. And the man said, why are you crushing those, crushing those roses? She laughed and said, even though they are dead, they are useful. Even though they are dead, they are what? They are useful. She said, there is something that the crushing produce from these roses. It is called potpourri. They call it potpourri. Is that how they pronounce it? Potpourri. Potpourri means a smell, a fragrance that comes from the rose. And it is come when it dries, it's dead, and then it is crushed. There the true smell proceeds forth. So Jesus said, produce the aroma that the world wants. The world looks at you and you look unassuming, but produce the character that reflects the glory of God. Produce that character. Produce the nature of God. Produce something. Don't allow a limitation. Don't allow the enemy to, to limit or hinder your functionality. There is a function that we have been given. There are two levels of threat that I've seen here. Number one, one of the things Jesus is saying, don't allow the environment to squeeze the savor out of you. I like to say it, it's going to be funny to us. Don't allow the word to suck the flavor out of you. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, I beseech you therefore, Brandon, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, for this is your reasonable service. In verse 2, it's a be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind, there is, there is a great danger for believers to conform to the word. And this brings me to the fact that today, many of the times we preach acceptance, but you see, acceptance is preceded by repentance. There has to be a thorough repentance when we talk about acceptance. Everybody come anyhow, but no, there has to be true repentance. Because repentance means a total change, a conversion. Because acceptance cannot precede repentance. And God wants us to reflect that. When we repent, there is a change of character. When we, when we assume the character of heaven, the world could see it. It's obvious. We savor the environment. How many of us can think of, of places today where when they, there is a true nature, true character of God? Things will be different. But it's not so. And that's why he's given us a greater call. To yield access to him. Let's see what the scripture says. The Bible says in Psalm 1 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. He says, that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. That, 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 that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. So, in other words, there is a counsel for the ungodly. Now, walk in the path of the sinner. There is a path that the sinners walk. But the Bible says, a man who does not walk in another is blessed. He's blessed. The same thing that Jesus was saying in Matthew. Don't walk in the path of the ungodly. Now sit in the seat of discomfort. In Ephesians chapter 1, chapter 4, in verse 1, the Bible says, make sure you walk worthy of the vocation with which you have been called in Christ. There's a vocation with which you have been called. There's a nature of life that we have been called to do, to behave. Praise God. Tonight, I want to send a loud warning to us as believers. 
Jesus is saying something, as I read that scripture, he's saying that, look, the, the, the world has a tendency to snuff light out of you. And how do they do it? To be practical with us, we know what the boundaries are. Is that not true? We know what the boundaries are. But what is going on in the world today is that the world is desensitizing believers. We are being desensitized every day to say, well, it is not too bad. So we're breaking the boundaries that's around our lives. And Jesus is saying, no, if you lose your flavor, you're just like any other sound around. Maintain that flavor. Maintain that savor. What gives you uniqueness is that savor. Maintain that savor. As I was studying these scriptures, the last verse, I'm just going to jump on this. The last verse says in verse 16, let your light so shine before me that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is never. Many of us are here today and we're saying, Lord, I want to glorify you. Let me glorify you by my, Lord, let, let me glorify, let me worship you. Actually, the greatest level of worship is by walking as light. Because the Bible says, I love the way the Bible puts it. It says, let your light so shine that men may see your good works. I would have wanted it to be said, like when men see your growth, they will glorify you for doing a great job. Jesus said, one of the ways to glorify me is to walk right. Is to walk as light. When the world sees the light of God in you, they will not glorify you, they will glorify me. In other words, the ultimate glory comes to me. Because they know that ordinarily, you wouldn't have been that there is a walking of God in your life. The world will worship him through you. The world will praise him through you. The world will glorify him through you. As I was told in this, I was saying, oh God, so how best can we be the salt and the light? The first thing that occurred to me was that there were men in the Bible that God used as the salt and the light. One of them was Moses. Moses was no doubt a light. I mean, I was remember this man. This man was the one God used to bring the millions of Jews out of captivity of 430 years. It was the light. The Jews looked at Moses and said, listen, how do we know who sent you? And he said, I am the I am. It was, a, it was a reflection of the glory of God. And God used this man to bring the people out of captivity. It was the same man that God used to part the Red Sea. How can, the, how can water come out of the rock? It was the same man. The light. The light. I remember Joshua. Joshua who, who wasn't as charismatic a leader, particularly spiritually, as Moses was. But you see, he caught something from the life of Moses. He became a reflection of the same glory. And this man looked at his son when they were in battle. And he said, son, stand ye. He spoke to the son. He spoke to nature. Nature responded to him. How else can we be the light? There was one that God used to bring the, it was a freedom fighter, to bring the entire land into their possession in God. How else can we be the light? Elijah, the man of God, looked at the land of Israel. The land was an apostasy. That was a departure from the truth. That was a departure from the living God. And Elijah looked at the land and said, according to my word, there shall be no rain in this land. And it was so according to the word of Elijah. Because of this man, the entire land of Israel was delivered from apostasy and they returned to the living God. How else can we be the light? I remember Daniel who stood his ground in the midst of compromise for many Jews and he said, I will not spoil myself with a portion of the king's meat. And he made up his mind he wasn't going to do it. 
And because he stood his ground, God was honored. God was glorified. And it was obvious that Nebuchadnezzar had to say, the God of heaven is the living God. Everyone should worship him. That was the same man who said he was going to destroy them. But he saw the hand of God. I remember Joseph. Joseph, a slave boy, left in prison. But when he was brought before the king, the king said, I have heard that there is no one as discreet as you are in whom the spirit of the gods dwell. How many want, want the world to speak about us like that? There is no one as discreet as you are. No one as prudent as you are in whom the spirit of the gods dwell. I want God. I want my life to be that. I want to be the light for the world. I want to be the salt for the world, for the, for the earth. You know what I also saw? I'm going to tell us this. I also saw it is not only in power demonstration. The Bible said not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. In other words, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit can manifest himself in believers in several ways. Many of us may not be Elijah's. We may not be Moses. We may not be, we may not, we may not be Daniel's. But there are every way that which the Holy Spirit wants to manifest himself in our lives. Let me take us to three, a few of them. God can cause us to impact the world through our generosity. Hallelujah. Acts of the Apostle, chapter 9. I'm going to read a scripture to us. The Acts of the Apostle, chapter, chapter 9. This is what the scripture says. Acts of the Apostle, chapter 9. This is what it says here. Glory to God. Acts of the Apostles chapter 9. The Bible declares in verse 36. Let's listen to this. It says, At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. For it happened in those days that she became sick and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room. And since Lydia was near Joppa, and the disciples... Had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Verse 39. Don't forget this woman was dead. She could not fight for herself anymore. But there was something. She was dead, but her walk was living. Her walk was functioning, working on her behalf. She had become a light to the environment. She has become a sort, not just to the world, but also to the body of believers. The Bible says in the next verse, and when Peter arose and went with them, 39. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room. I want us to listen to the next sentence. Now they brought, no big deal, right? They brought Peter to the upper room. And all the widows, ever say all the widows, stood by him weeping. Showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. How many of us know how God handles widows? The Bible says, I will be the husband to the widows. That's how great. The Bible speaks about our religion. There's no pure religion than having control of our tongues and having been good to the widows. God holds the widows in high esteem. And this woman looked at the church. There are many of us who are preachers. Fivefold ministry. We are anointed to cast out demons. But there is a greater work. There is a way to impact the world and become an influence, a positive influence. She looked at us and said, I don't have that power. I can speak like they speak. I don't have that ability to control the crowd. But there is something I can do. 
There is a way I can impact my world. God has given me grace. There is a gift that God has given to me. With this gift, I will be a light. With this gift, I will be a sword. She began to sew tunics and garments to the widows. The Bible said they stood by Peter and they began to weep. May the Lord impact us. May the Lord cause us to see that we can become a light. We can become a light. We can also impact the world by commitment to fellowship. By commitment to divine relationship. The Bible speaks of Enoch. Enoch did not have a church. I hope we remember that. Enoch probably, we don't have any record of that. Maybe he did. Did not have any record of, of taking crusades or being on crusade ground preaching the word. But the Bible says Enoch walked with God. And it was not. Enoch impacted his own world, became an influence, became a colossal by his lifestyle and commitment to divine fellowship with God. And many people were like him in the scripture. The Bible speaks of Aquila and Priscilla. The churches met in their house. They had fellowship. They influenced believers positively. So we can impact the world by commitment to fellowship. We can impact the world by wisdom. I saw this and it, sh it shook me. In Ecclesiastes chapter, chapter 7, the Bible says, talks about a poor man. He was poor. But the Bible says, through his wisdom, the city was delivered from destruction. What an impact that was. It was, it was poor. So, my present financial state is not an issue. I can impact the world, even in my present state. This man had no money. But he had something that was beyond money. The money of the city could not save the city in the day of calamity, but there was a man of wisdom in that city. What do we have? What do you have with which the God wants to bring light to the community? This man had wisdom. The Bible speaks of the wisdom of Solomon. So much so, the wisdom was so strong that even the queen of Sheba, nations came to behold the wisdom of God in the life of this man. God can impart the world by his wisdom in our lives. The last I'm going to mention, which is number five, God can impact and we can become a light, a shining light by sacrifice. Jesus was given an, a description of a woman who came to the temple. She came, she came to offer her might to the Lord. It was a time to give to the Lord. She came, she had nothing but this might. She kept it to bring it to the house of the Lord. And she came in and she left it there. Most probably, she had nothing there to fall back on. But she remembers, if this one life to live, if this is all I've got, I'm going to give it. Do you remember the woman with the alabaster box? She had nothing. She was, in some part of the scripture, some part of the gospel, she was called an alot. With whom Jesus cast out demon spirits. And she came and said, listen, nobody's going to listen to me, but there is something I can do. Jesus was going for burial. I can break this box. I can perfume him before the burial. Do you know that was the last perfume Jesus received before he went to the, before he was buried? And there was no other perfume. If you read the book of Matthew chapter 28, when they deserved the Mary and all the Marys, they rushed to perfume him. He had risen. This woman did something that, that preceded others. We can impact the world by our sacrifice. Hallelujah. I'm going to leave us with this story as I close. You know, I always have story. I'm going to close with this story. What a great story it was when I read this story. It touched me and I laughed. This man, it was said I was a bodybuilder that came to an African village 
one of the tribes in Africa, was a bodybuilder. So, so big muscle. He came to the African village and the chief invited him to come. And the chief looked at him highly built with a physique, very interesting physique. And the king said, what do you do with all this muscle? He laughed and said, look, it is better to show you than to explain what I do with this muscle. And he began to flex the biceps and the triceps and the backs. He began to flex it. And the, and the king said, okay. It was, this is very impressive. And the king said, ah, what else do you do? He said, ah, I just make a show of this thing. And the king looked at him and said, what a waste. If you're here in Africa, we don't waste that muscle. We go to the farm and build with this muscle. You can have farms. You can produce things. You don't flex muscle. How big you are. Hallelujah. What am I saying tonight? If we indeed we have muscle in the spirit, let's just sit down. Let's begin to impact our world. Let's just have our muscle to show off. Let's come to church and raise holy hands alone. Let's become salt. Indeed, if we are salt, let us savor the world. Indeed, if we are light, we better shine. That's what the master has called us to do. Let's rise up to pray tonight. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine. Let nothing make your light to be hidden. Let nothing, let nothing undermine your ability. Let nothing destroy your usefulness. Your relevance. Believers, I want to say to you tonight, you're relevant to this environment. You're relevant to this world. Let no devil give you a wrong image of who you are. You're relevant to this world. It's because of us that this world is preserved. The earth has been preserved until moment because of us. We must show the world that Jesus lived and died for their sake. And he's coming back. Tonight, we're just going to speak to the Lord tonight and say, Lord, this is me. I want to reflect the character of Jesus. I want to indeed be the salt that you have made me to be. You looked at me and said, you are the salt. You are not trying to be. That's what I made you to be. I want us to pray tonight and say, Lord, I understand now what you have made me to be. You want me to be the salt. And I know that it's only in demonstration of power, in miracles and signs alone, I need to demonstrate and impact my world. Whichever way give, give, you have gifted me. I want us to begin to pray tonight and say, Lord, this is my life. This is my life. I don't want to remain docile. I don't want to remain uninfluential. I don't want to remain cool and calm, lukewarm. I want to impact this world. In the name of Jesus. Spirit of the living God, break forth in our midst tonight. Let the power of God rest upon us. Let the glory of God rest upon us. Let the spirit of God rest upon us. That we may impact our world. That we may touch nations for you. That we may bring souls to the kingdom. That we may break the frontiers of the enemy and the limitations that have been set around us. That the glory of God may break forth in our lives. Yes, our Father. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' precious name we pray. We're going to pray tonight. We're going to say to the Lord, Lord, this one life to live. This one life to live. I will shine for you. This one life to live, I will be an aroma to those who are perishing. I will be an aroma to those who are saved. This one life to live, my impact will be left upon the sands of time. Lord, I will affect people for you for good. Lord, the purpose for which you send me to the world will be accomplished. 
I didn't come here to help to the population of the world. I've been sent to the world to effect a change. Change will happen through my life. Lord, you will affect lives and destinies for me, for, but through me. Lord, in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Lord, this one life to live, we will touch nations for you. This one life to live, the character and the Christ-likeness will reflect. The fruit of the Spirit will be manifested for the world to see. Men will come in their numbers to meet with you, to become your children because of my lifestyle. Every compromise, every area of my life, we have yielded to the flesh. I repent tonight. I come to you, O oh God, to forgive. And I ask that you empower me never to go back again. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I will live for you. I will work for you. I will be your man on the earth. I will be your poema. I will be your workmanship. Men will learn Christ through me. In the name of Jesus. Shine forth. Shine forth. Shine forth. Shine forth. Shine forth. Let the aroma of Christ feed the land through my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I give you glory tonight. Worship you, O oh God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let me not be a confessing Christian, but an impacted Christian. I didn't come to this world to impress it, but to change it. Lord, I received the grace to be an impactor. Lord, I will impact this world for you. In the name of Jesus, I will change the world for your, for your name's sake. You will be glorified through my lifestyle. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, my Lord. Give you glory and honor tonight. I worship and adore you tonight. I give you praise and honor. Oh, yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want us to pray last prayer tonight wherever my salt is losing its savor. Lord, let there be a restoration tonight. Wherever the light is, my light is being put under the bullshit. Lord, let my light shine forth. I'm supposed to be standing upon the, upon the mountain top. Lord, from tonight... Everywhere that my salt is losing its savor, its aroma. Lord, let there be restoration tonight. Let there be restoration tonight. In the area of my life where I begin to lose my savor. Let there be restoration. Let there be restoration. Let my light shine. Lord, I'm coming upon the lampstand. Lord, I'm not ashamed of you. Anymore, I'm not ashamed of you. I will talk of Jesus. My words will reflect Jesus. My lifestyle will reflect Jesus. My thought life will reflect Jesus. The words of my mouth will reflect Jesus. I will become a Jesus man on the earth. Let it be Lord Jesus. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. In Jesus precious name. We have prayed. In Jesus precious name we have prayed. Father tonight we want to thank you. Your word is true. Your word is great. And your word is powerful. We've come here tonight expectant. Lord, we came here not just for to receive a body-fed gospel. We came here to receive a word from you. We came here that we may be changed. So that we may change the world. We came here tonight that we may be impacted. That we may impact the world. We came here tonight that we may receive from you. Lord, that we may become an instrument of peace in your hand. Tonight, as you have shown us in your word that you have called us to be salt and light, 
Lord, salt we will be. In the name of Jesus, you've called us to be salt, salt we will be. In the name of Jesus, you've called us to be light, shining we will shine. In the name of Jesus, Lord, light we will be. We will shine to bring glory and praise to your name. In the name of Jesus, Lord, from tonight, begin to walk on our character. Lord, everywhere where we have misrepresented you, where our character and behavior do not reflect that of the kingdom. Father, tonight, let it be a change. Lord, tonight, let it be a touching of the grace and the power of the Spirit. In the name of Jesus, send us, send us forth, O oh God, into the world, that we may impact this world positively. We thank you. May we leave impact on the sands of time. In the name of Jesus, may we not live ordinary lives. Lord, may we not live as mediocres. May we live to impact our world for good. Thank you, Father. We give you glory and honor. We have one life to live. It is to your glory. It is to your glory. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And amen. And the church said amen. Let's clap our hands together for the Lord and bless him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen.